like a crowd who just kind of like watches you and reacts or doesn't react, you have like a chat box and you can like see people like, you can see people really get excited by something you're playing and like it's, there's, if you're like a verbal affirmation type, like that's really nice to see some of the time. Um, that and like there's a real like, I don't know, like you, I, I did this Lava Palooza set and like just tons of people just immediately were like, following me on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, so, like, there's there's a lot of immediate gratification with it, but, like, I miss playing live, you know, like, I miss, like, playing with a, another artist you really like, and it was such a special experience, and it's definitely not the same, but I have, like, been able to do live streams with some artists I really never thought I'd work with, so that's been really cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The camera's both on both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, don't worry. I got you. Yeah. You guys are almost professional. The most professional. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute highest quality you can never get. Any podcast. Yes. Yeah. Like, what, what, are you, what are you hoping to do more of? Um, in terms of performance or yeah. just in general? Um, you know, I don't think. I, I, I want venues to reopen. I don't think it's safe countrywide. Um, and it's like a failure on, like it's a failure on the government's part not to save these venues. Like there should be a bailout plan for every single venue affected by this because they didn't disobey any protocols. They just can't open, you know? No plan to no plan to safely reopen any venue happens. So like that's a huge bummer. But like when they do reopen, I hope to play more sets. You know? yeah. Like that is that it's that's like just so like quintessential to being an artist. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that. But like I I have a few live streams coming up, and I still really like those. Like, yeah. Typically, don't say no if the cool opportunity comes out. Yeah. 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 I think like, as a musician you have like two parts right the, the performance aspect and then like the actual making of the music yeah like, what do you enjoy more oh that's a great question um so I, I I produce so much of like my like so much of my music is just like written in a DAW that like live performance is actually kind of difficult because like you'll write out these parts in MIDI or like you'll have a guitar part that was like really took a long time or like you recorded at a slower tempo because <laughs> you couldn't play it. And so uh, a lot of my live performances is like a very difficult process of like bringing these things that were not really written to be performed live mm-hmm. in a live setting. So um, I think I tried off. What was your question again? <laughs> production of the music? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I lost the lead there. Um, (laughs) It's different. I would say that, like, um, I'm not always crazy about performing live, even though I do miss it, and I think it's important, because there's just, like, I really, I really do actually just enjoy being in my, like, little, in my little zone, and working on a track and getting it perfect, because, like, a lot of the times, also, like, it's, performance is very anxiety-inducing, it can be a feel like a letdown a lot of the times, <laughs> too. Um, so to answer your question, I guess I would say like I do actually just like prefer the music making over mm-hmm. performing. So like speaking of you know concerts, so like what would your typical concert look like? Like it's just you kind of like on your laptop triggering stuff and just kind of like more of like a DJ or like. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, I like I've the live setup has been going through a lot of different iterations. It's also changing now because some of my newer, newer music, I'm going to be incorporating vocals a bit more. Yeah. So there's only so much you can do while singing. Like you can't like, it's like sort of like <laughs> chewing gum and walking right. and trying try to like play three different instruments at once. But uh, essentially right now, the setup I have is... Um, I, I have like I, I do it in Ableton Live, and I have I trigger samples, and I sort of have like the root of the song like just in like controllers, so like things I can't perform like drum loops and a lot of like more textural stuff. But then I when I perform, I have a guitar. I have a um, it's called a Taisho Goto. Mm-hmm. It's a it's like a it sounds a bit like a mandolin, but it's essentially like this really cool Japanese sort of stringed instrument. It's played like, it's laid out like a keyboard, but it's played like a guitar, so I use that. And uh, and I also have like a synthesizer, so. A lot of just recreating the parts that I wrote in MIDI and like on my computer, just like as live as I can. Oh, okay, I see. Maybe down the line, try to have like a band, especially since the direction is changing a little bit more to be like, kind of like typical song structures and yes. stuff. You know, if you ever need a uh, guitarist or a very crappy bassist, just <laughs> I want to play my music if you need it. I have no idea. <laughs> Who should I ask? This guy. I'll ask you. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely give you one. Awesome. Yeah, because yeah, you got that Japanese angle. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Speak better Japanese than I do. Not knowing, <laughs> not knowing. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, do we, do we uh, mention the uh, room? Yeah, we got one rule in Sounds Like Morrissey. Do not mention Japan at all. Because this that's guy gonna, this guy just goes on a fucking tangent. That's gonna be difficult considering who he is and how to my name my name my my No It's a joke. But like this one time I was like talking to this guy and we both have like goals of like working in Japan, so we kinda went like a long tangent and he's big kind of things that we let him do by himself that yeah. And literally had to cut like 40 minutes because like, bro, this isn't sounds like Japan. It sounds like... Well, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast called that and it's going to be way more successful than you and Most then you're going to wish... Sounds like Tokyo. Yeah, sounds yeah. like Tokyo. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. But I guess... Well, I have to attempt to do the whole interview in Nihongo, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like... I guess we should make an exception for this podcast because it naturally comes out. Yeah, please, David. Pointy, <laughs> <Wait>, please. Nobody has a nice Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about your uh, background, obviously, since it like, plays into your like, music and obviously you as a person. So so you said before that, that you came back from, like... So you came back to, to like, New York from, like, college. So, like, were you in college in Japan or, like... Oh, no, I was just in, uh, I went to school, like, in upstate New York, so uh, I was just moving back to New York City. Uh, okay. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Binghamton University. Oh, oh man, I was, I was close to, like, I was in, like, Onionta. Oh, so, like, not too far from there, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because the news... Like, oh, yeah, like, no. do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, no, because, like, Onionta got, like, the city and, like, the college got hit hard by, like, COVID. Oh, like like a, this past semester, yeah. Um, yeah. But to answer your question, um, no, I moved to New York from Japan when I was like a little kid. Like I was, um, I was like, like only a little older than one years old. Oh, okay. But um, I was born there, 
and uh, I just spent pretty much every summer there. So oh, okay. I, I spent a lot of time there, and like um, I have family over there, so yeah. still trying to go back as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. Obviously not now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a citizen, so I could go back now. It just means like, oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like quarantine for two weeks and yeah. not do that. that's gonna being in a for, being in like a new city and being quarantined is just like I don't know. It's not why like you go? Yeah, yeah, why I have no plans to go back. <laughs> You've gotten some notoriety though. Like talk about that that parasite Oh yeah. Um that last year that was a, that was a pretty interesting experience. I just like there's a funny scene in that movie, and I was like, "This could go to music." So I just like made it quick. I made it quick. I put it up on Twitter, and it just sort of like took on a life of its own. Because the the Korean media just like thought it was really funny that like over in the West, well, they they, they really appreciated that Parasite was doing really well, but they like found it funny that people thought this one scene was notable because it's just sort of like. Uh, a children's lullaby. So I did that, and then it sort of popped off. But uh, it's it's currently not online because I got a copyright strike from the. Damn. But it's still you can still find it. You can dig. But yeah, yeah. I still like have it up on like my Spotify and yeah. stuff. But yeah. that was a very very interesting experience. Yeah. You know. So it just like took off because like Twitter basically took it off your hands and just like yeah, just people kept retweeting it. I don't really like yeah. it. Wait, so was it like re re like tweeted like in like the West and then it made its way to Korea or like Yeah, I think like a lot of journalists like in the West just saw it and thought it was funny because this is also when Parasite was like had just gotten a limited release in the US uh-huh. and was getting like a lot of critical acclaim. This is before it was it had its wide release mm-hmm. and before before the Oscars or anything. Mm-hmm. Unless, man, I remember the Academy Awards in February. Yeah, it feels like twenty years ago. Yeah, last good thing that happened. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I um, I can't really explain what happened. There. Yeah, it was just like a very a very odd, very like unique sort of thing to go through. But you know, it was cool. It was a nice while it lasted. How important do you think is ego for a musician? That's a great question. I mean, I think like. I think there's like a difference between having confidence and assurance in what you do and having an ego. I mean, like, I've definitely, like, experienced or dealt with artists who seem to have a level of self-importance mm-hmm. that are <laughs> difficult to work with with an unchecked ego. Mm-hmm. I think to some extent you can, like, there's an extent that you survive if you do that, but, like, if you... If you if you do this to like be abusive to other people right. or like step on other people, then like you're just go, you're just you're just going unchecked, and like that's sort of rampant in the industry too. Like you just a lot of people get away with like I don't know. I've always just had like a like a philosophy of just like be honest and good to people. Like it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's easy to like to sniff it out if someone's, like, disingenuous. So, like, I think confidence and self-preservation are important, but I don't think ego is good. Like, people need to be humble. Like, we're, we're small. Like, it's a sort of, like, it's, like, 
how do I put this without sounding like I'm contradicting myself? But I think like individualist thinking, which is not what I was trying to like get at with mm-hmm. regards to like being independent or like trying to keep have boundaries with people. It's like but I do think like individualist thinking is like uniquely American and uniquely like kind of self-serving and capitalist. So mm-hmm. like I think to be better to people, you need to like find the middle ground of being good to yourself, but also being good for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's like definitely understandable. Yeah, because like, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a good segue to kind of like talk about kind of like your life in New York and just like yeah. kind of like being raised here, but also kind of like experiencing half of your life over in Japan and stuff like that. So like, yeah. So what was it like, like as a kid, you know, being raised in like the rough and gruff culture of like New York then going to like Japan where it's like you know completely different well I will say that like I I, I grew up New York is like a special place and I didn't have like I won't sit here and lie I didn't have like a rough childhood or something you know I just like being of mixed race definitely informs my art and it informs my identity but I won't sit here and be like I had it difficult like I never went through my life like in fear of my life because what I looked like I lived mm-hmm. in New York City and like was white passing like I always had the privilege of a pretty safe existence and the same went for Japan so like it was never difficult but it was always like really special to me you mm-hmm. know like being able to go back to my roots and experience sort of like a life that I never got to have because Japan is like you know the, you, you, you get it like yeah. the culture really especially like I mean the culture really loves Japan. I definitely didn't love it quite as much because, like, you know, like in the 90s, like the government had the Cool Japan Initiative. So mm-hmm. they invested heavily in entertainment, in the entertainment sector. So, like, that's why so many Americans are like, you know, like they, there was translated versions of Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and like um, Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. And, like, you ask yourself, it's like, okay, why did Japan have all these things that were popular in the West but not? other Asian countries, you know, like Korean TV was popping in the 90s, but like it was the government that decided it. So it was like, you know, a pure, from a pure, like we can make a lot of money in the global market, mm-hmm. like motivation is why so many like kids in America like Japanese culture. Yeah. So like that's important to like keep note of, but like, so because of that, I was inundated with it as a kid and I kind of like shied away from it, you know, and, like I was just like, I want to, um, I want to assimilate, like I don't want to be, I, I grew up really not like wanting to identify with being Japanese because you just like internalize, you have like internalized racism, so like you just try to assimilate and I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch um, Pokemon, I want to like watch and The Simpsons, you know, so like, <laughs> that was my, that was my experience, but like as I've gotten older, like I definitely more embracing that side of me and like really trying to like learn more and be better and more understanding. But like I always say that at this point in my life I meet people I meet like non-Japanese people who are more Japanese than me. Like they just speak it better and they'll just like have a deep knowledge of film or food that I just don't yeah. like. So yeah, I mean 
that was my experience. I, it's important to me. I don't, I don't act like it's a soft story. It was just like, it was nice to be able to have a book to go to growing up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think some of that speaks true to like being a New Yorker almost because like you, you see like all this like good press with you know people just Instagramming pictures of like Times Square and shit like that, but like us being here, it's just like we grow to hate it. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. Like, that's not the real New York, and mm -hmm. so it's sort of that to to a smaller extent that same thing. I mean, I think we're of a gen like we're all from New York, like so like we're of a generation that was still like not so proliferated by like like yuppie yuppie business people I don't know. <laughs> you know, just gentrifying yeah. like math swaths of the city i mean like <laughs> the only good thing to come out of covid is just like every person who had a hamptons home fled and it's like good riddance like don't come back you know like i saw the most like I saw like two really insulting articles. One of them was like, New York City is dead. And it's like, it's dead for it's dead for the people who like were were thought that rougher parts of the city gave it character, but like all they cared about was just like proliferating the its resources and then just leaving. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what a parasite does. Right. Like you come and you jack up the prices in the neighborhood and you leave. Like, so that's what a lot of them did. So that like bothers me when people said that because like I, my entire family is in New York City and I didn't leave during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, never, it never even occurred to me. Yeah. And then the other one was like, I saw some, I think it was like, I'm gonna just call him out. I think it was Jerry Saltz, who's like an art critic. He just said something like, uh, now's the time to move to New York and make your playground again because the rent prices are low. And it's just like, okay, like, yeah, the rent prices dropped, but also, like, they dropped New York City, left. New York City, you can't just view, like, dropping rent as, like, wow, New York City is a playground again. It's like, keep in mind that, like, we were once the epicenter of the COVID pandemic, and, like, brown and black neighborhoods were the most affected. Every single white neighborhood full of these people didn't catch it because they all fled. And, also, like, there are a lot of people who fuck, who, sorry. No, you can go first. who, like, like, brought it in. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, like, it, like this this office is in Williamsburg, and I don't mean to be, like, back in my day. But, like, <laughs> I came here as a kid, and it didn't look like it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, there was, no, there was no Starbucks. There yeah. was no Whole Foods. No, yeah, because when, yeah. when, like, we started studying here, 2011, 2012, it was, like, not as, like... It still was, like, it, yeah. yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, and like I wor I worried for a long time that happening to other like neighborhoods. Wor really worried about like it happening to the Bronx, but like in particular. But like it seems like it's not going in that direction anymore. Bronx is too far away. You know they can't. They were paying a shit ton of money like to the South Bronx. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and like we almost had the Amazon's headquarters in Queens. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's just like get out and like we don't want you here. <laughs> yeah, it's about the like same thing. Like part of me is just like, you know, fuck you, like how how dare you think New York City's dead? But also, yeah, thank God that you think New York City's dead and leave. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we, you never belonged here, so yeah. like just get out. Like I remember I don't know, I knew like I knew and saw like a lot of people just being like, uh, I don't see the point of living here anymore. And it's like you never really wanted to live here then. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't mean I don't mean to be all like you know, I don't mean to sound like somebody like I don't I, I I'm sounding like like Cuomo right now, just being like we are strong. Like 
we the best, New York City, but like, I do I do have a sense of pride about it where I'm like, yeah, yeah it's like, I don't know. In, in a similar way of like, where I'm protective of New York City, I'm like also protective of like Japan where it's like, people who don't get it or haven't lived that experience trying to like co-opt its imagery or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's sort of still like all just like, uh, yeah. like misunderstanding, like your importance as an individual is not that high. Like, so like you can't like, it's, these are communities and you can't just come in and take what you want to leave. So. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's like what people said, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. yeah. So like, um, again, because with you, obviously there's so much of, of, of like a mixture between like you know New York and like Japanese culture. So mm -hmm. like, what I'm like interested in like asking when it comes to music or fashion because it seems like you're like also very into fashion. <laughs> I see that tech wear, yeah, that um, <laughs> the utility this, yeah, this whole thing, yeah. But like, how do you think New York? culture, fashion, and sort of like, has like affected Japanese, you know, music and fashion. Yeah, how do they compare? Oh, it's like the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I always, I, I remember reading a really interesting thing where like, it's, there's so many punks in Japan that like dress up as like, seditious or whatever, but yeah. they don't listen to pop music or like have that sort of context. Yeah. I mean, New York is iconic, so many like, like, so, like just thinking about it, like, genres like punk or east coast hip-hop like mm -hmm. proliferating overseas in such a way it's hard to like necessarily quantify new york specifically because mm -hmm. like, like you you lose the you, you stray you stray from the sun a little bit like you know like these k-pop groups like won't know that like this style of like flow came from like this group or something mm -hmm. you know what i mean but like i guess it's hard to say because New York is so multicultural, like the ways it, it like it feeds into Japan, but I would say that like as with any sort of like metropolitan city with young with a youth culture that's into like uh, that's into the arts, you're gonna see similarities, mm -hmm. you know? Like you walk down you walk down certain streets in Hong Kong, you'll see like tech wear too, you yeah. know? Like same same as Seoul or other places in Asia. Mm -hmm. um, but like, there's definitely still, with regards to how people feel about New York, there's a little bit of nostalgia for like a golden age yeah. of like these previous, <laughs> these previous social movements that have just been sort of like, you know, like uh, you have aesthetics and like fashion that's just sold at like H&M now. Mm -hmm. It's been proliferated <laughs> by the mainstream. So like, you know, it's really interesting because uh, I saw like an interesting point about this where it's like um, these pushes for like multicultural diversity by like corporations is just sort of like still in this very like global world market mindset where it's like not necessarily good because at the end of the day you're just taking these things and just making products out of them. Mm -hmm. So like I do think about the fact that it's like yeah like New York is where like um, Maybe this is London, but like I'm just going to guess that like yeah, like like New York punk looks like plaid skinny jeans and dock martins mm -hmm. and leather jackets like originated here and now it's being sold in like uh, uh like a century uh, not century one twenty one like a like a uh, forever twenty one in Japan yeah that to me is sort of like how it's been mulled over you yeah know? like it's just sort of been like just. Co-opted. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> but like the simple, like the, uh, navigating like the music scenes and stuff is pretty like a similar experience because there's a thriving underground music scene and a thriving underground art scene in Japan as much as there is in New York, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, the, like, record label world separated from, like, the sort of indie circles is very, it's pretty analogous, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it just, that's with, like I said before about any sort of city with, like, a youth culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a producer too, you're not just a musician, is that true? Yeah, I produce, I perform, and now I guess I also sing. Do you produce other artists or just yourself? I have and I want to more. I, it's just sort of like, it's something, I sort of like last year and the few years before I was like really, almost to my fault, like very focused on this album I was releasing, so I was like kind of just not collaborating with other people, mm-hmm. but, um, I have been in the process of talking with like a few artists and like sending them beats and whatnot because I want to. Yeah. Right. yeah. Because what you did with Waterface, um, Waterface, is it um? Can you remember? Umo. Uh, Umo. Yeah. yeah, Umo. Like I love. I was like I was like listening to like some of the stuff and like what you did with her is like really nice. So like I wanted to know like where do you draw your like inspirations from? Like generally, when you're like making music and like collaborating with like other people, like what are your like general musical influences? Uh, I guess it varies by song to song. I think that's specific about the the two dreamers one. Um, it has the dumbest story ever. I <laughs> was on a flight and I like watched like Logan, like that yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. and I, I was like, oh, there's like a cute, there's like a nice scene. Where, where, like, he's talking like Professor X, and I was like, gonna try to like sample it, and I was like, I'm not gonna sample this. But I was like in a mood after that movie because it was so sad, and I just like, made a beat while I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> song. Yeah. It's like the worst story. But uh, that's how it started. But like the actual inspiration was like I wanted to do something like. Um, I wanted to do. I was like inspired by. Uh, you thought like Hikaru? Yeah, yeah. Just, she I, actually I, grew up here for like a little bit, I think. I think so too. Yeah, I forgot where, but uh, I just wanted to do something orchestral and sort of beautiful with like a Japanese vocal. Yeah. Um, and use like a big string arrangement. So for that song specifically, but for me now, it like really depends. Mm-hmm. I always just like, in terms of starting a song, I like to make like a nice sound bed and I use a lot of, um, I use a lot of Japanese samples and I use a lot of like, um, atmospheric textures inspired by Japanese folk music. It's not prescriptive, it's not every song, but like I try to always sort of have that, even when you don't like necessarily hear it. Like, um, there's like a Kodo breakdown in that new single I put out. I use a lot of Kodos. Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to like set a mood that's nice and dreamy and nostalgic yeah. and build on it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. Do you, do you feel like your best art is made by just you or like with, with collaborations? I love collaboration. Um, this new single I kind of just did entirely on my own, but to be honest, moving forward, I actually think I'm going to be working with like more producers to kind of like produce my stuff and do vocals over. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to get more into that because like, um, it's like, it's like when you collaborate 
it's like other artists have a superpower you don't. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're like Thor and you need to shoot lightning at Cap Shield. <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. Just filling this with stupid Marvel references. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just watched The Boys, so like superhero, oh, yeah, yeah. superhero movies are like fresh on my mind. Yeah. Um, but I... Like, I think, like, other people really bring a strength you can't. Like, Umo, for example, like, I can't sing that high and I can't sing that well in Japanese. So she really brings that. And, like, my, I have a childhood friend I grew up with uh, that did the strings for Two Dreamers, and I'm not really good at string programming. So really, it's, like, no different than a band. You, like, some, some people play bass, some people play drums, and some people play guitar really well, and you just want other people to fill out your strengths. Yeah. But I find producing, working with other producers is, can be difficult, because it's essentially like, production allows you to do everything yourself, and collaboration forces you to hand things off. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I am definitely interested in working with more producers in the future, but... I definitely started off like more producing from overseeing. Yeah. What I'm doing TikTok. <laughs> because I'm pretty yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, no, I don't, really yeah, no, I like TikTok. I just don't use it. Um, <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> no, because uh, what we call it, uh, Baby Boy Blue, like he is an mm-hmm. avid TikToker too, right? Yeah. He's saying that it's working a lot. Yeah. Right? So like Baby Boy Blue is like another um, producer based in the city, and like he's like between. You know, David and like him, they just like love TikTok. They're trying to push the Yeah, they've been trying. Yeah, they've been pushing me hard to do it. So I think I'm gonna start next week. You no, know, like for musicians especially, I think it's like something that you know, just like golden nugget. Yeah. Something I gotta, I gotta work it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely something because what because what I was told was that you really have to have like a set plan. When you know starting TikTok, like it's not something no, that you can do. Yeah, yeah. And, and like it's hard making so much content within like. Yes, yeah, so the, the, the reach on there is ten times that something you would get on on Instagram. Yeah, like, like that's true just, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause like, yeah, I don't know, cause I feel like the ways that musicians have to like market themselves that. It's there's so many different ways, but it's harder to really find find your own crowd. So like, how do you think you've been able to find your crowd? Because you've been doing like live streaming and stuff, right? So like, do you think that's where the majority of your fan base can be found? Just be nice and meet people. <laughs> like I'm serious. Like it's like, I mean, not every it, the same thing doesn't work for everyone. I'm not like an expert, but I'm just like fully convinced that like you just. If you want to, if you want to get your name out there, just work with people and be nice and like put yourself out there and like use use the tools at your disposal. Um, I good luck to everyone who goes viral on TikTok and that's great, but like you can't hinge your like you can't hinge your strategy on winning the lottery. Right. Like you know. Well, that's where you have like eggs in a whole bunch of baskets. Yeah, you got to do you have to do everything and say yes to everything and just like put yourself out there, like. Unfortunately, like, a lot of it is just getting over, like, maybe I don't want to, like, push myself too hard on someone or something, but it's like, no, like, for example, like, every label I've worked with, every live stream I've done, we just met, and we just vibe, and we just talk on, like, Twitter or whatever, and, mm-hmm. like, that's really all it is, and you, it's, like, people know, 
when you're being disingenuous, I think I like mentioned that before, but like my advice to people is just like collaborate, make like work with your friends. Right. And like anyone you know who really like started a wave, just like work with their friends and suck with it. You know? Like I don't think it's I don't think an overnight I don't think striving to get something to happen overnight is like a strategy. Like example, the Parasite remix, I didn't like plot for that. I just did something and it timed and like I had a few friends share it and then their friends saw it and then their friends saw it and it just kind of took off, you know? Like mm-hmm. I, I think that's like really important. So I don't know, like just keep at it, keep putting yourself out there, both releasing content and meeting people and then like just don't give up on it. No, never give up, never give up. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And something we ask every artist that comes on is like, how do you feel that New York City has changed you as a person? Like New York City? Yeah. Um, it's, I, I spent the very first years feeling very coddled and sheltered. Like, mm. you grow up just thinking like, like uh, everyone is, it's a multicultural palace in like the world, when really most of the country has just like been abandoned by our government. They've been stripped clean by like corporate interests. And in New York, there's just this very like optimistic sense about the state of the world that's not necessarily true amongst a lot of other people. And then there's like the harsher realities. You go to like more other neighborhoods and it's like they've been um, completely destroyed by like police violence or like they are like other people in other states just like long been abandoned by the government. So like, I think you come to New York and you need to break yourself of that initial mindset that it's like a paradise. Yeah. It's like, that's definitely where I changed. Like yeah. growing up thinking it was really great and then being more aware of the harsher realities of both the city and like Yeah, because when I talk to like Japanese people who like haven't been to New York City, they always say, oh yeah, I've watched, uh, what's that show? Um, Gossip Girl, New York City, like, I want to live in, like, New York City and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, like, that's not just Japanese people. That's yeah. like, you know, like, you just meet, like, a, a white girl at brunch, she's gonna say something <laughs> about friends. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's not the reality. Or, like, you meet some dudes on Wall Street, they're gonna say that about, like, American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to yeah. be like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you feel it's changed? Like, it, is, it, did, it, did what about the city motivated to you to make the podcast? Well, that's David, because I came in here and later, I, I was the replacement, so to say, but like, yeah, yeah. David, yeah, why did, yeah, you, you never told me to be, I was like, why did you start this podcast? Well, I mean, it's, it, it probably started back when I started the actual like, first real job, the one that I still have right now, and it, it just sort of clicked that like I just never have time to speak to all the amazing artists like, in the city. Like, and, and when you grow up, it's sort of like you take it for granted because you just see that every day. But then like just you know realizing that I just rush through the whole like, train station all the time, and I never have time to stop by and really talk and listen to to the stories that these artists have um, of just how they create and how the city has affected them. And, that's just made me, me want to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Kind of Storytelling. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, because like New York City is such, you know, we, 
there's been so many amazing people to like come out of her and stuff like that and like yeah like I don't know like it's such a great place to like find to like find your footing if you can but you really have to work for it because you know it's like a dog eat dog world out here so like I do appreciate artists that kind of like stick around and like do their best to like it makes makes zero sense to me why anybody who wants to be an artist would just start here though like, that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the community, but like but it's, it's like a lot of it's so hard to live here. Yeah, I, I mean, if I wasn't born here, I don't think I'd have the balls to move. I mean, rich people move here. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, rich artists move here. Yeah, you know, like people who go to NYU and <laughs> pay a lot of money to do exactly what like I'm doing, except mm-hmm. I like, didn't go to school for it, and then right. do music full time because their parents just support them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, and also just working in creative industries here with like unpaid internships, like, yeah, it's hella classes. Like, you only people with like rich parents can do it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, how many times have you met someone that you like very suspected? It's like, what is your income? Like, how do you not work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the question, it's almost always they just have money. So it's like, yeah. that's what sucks about what's changing in the city because like the only people who can live here have like come from some means. You know, and especially in creative industries, it's like those are the only types of people who get to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like at a point that, like, if you're supporting yourself as like, working, uh, like, in the service industry or something, like, you're just not gonna have the time and the autonomy to survive, and not just survive, because it's like, you know, it's not about like, it's not about like just being employed. It's about being underemployed, and like, you just you pay exorbitant amounts from these like really um, like shady landlords that yeah. have like have bad business practices and charge yeah. a lot and like, don't um, necessarily like have renters in mind or in, as their priority and then you just attract people who can't afford to live here. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So like that, that is what's changing. I mean, yeah. When I moved back here from college, I mean, I grew up here, so, like, I spent all of New York City, like, you know, like, I went in, I was in Manhattan, so, like, a lot of kids had money, like, their parents had money, but, like, when I moved back here, and so many people just, like, went to college here, like, private schools, like, um, like, NYU and Columbia, and, like, their energy was just different, <laughs> like, they're just, like, they just come in hot, and they're, like, kind of, like, politically ignorant, or, like, Hella, like, like I don't remember some one time someone just being like, I don't like my neighborhood because it doesn't have Whole Foods. Like, fuck your Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a joke. That sounds like that can't be serious. Like, like I can't grocery shop if it's not Whole Foods. Like, fuck out of here with that. Like, I remember one time someone being like, I don't like bodegas because there's no vegetarian options. It's like, eat, like go, like first of all, they do have vegetarian options. It's like, well, like bodegas are fucking lit. Like, <laughs> yo, bacon and cheese, man, and and like a and, and, and like Arizona in the morning when you're going to school. Dude, that's like living off of that, like a nice coffee and like do like chicken over rice. Yeah, living around the corner for me. I mean, I don't, I don't really, eat, I don't really eat rice anymore. But like, I yeah, like keto. Yeah, dude, like keto life. But like when I did, it was like, no, that was like the best. Like, I I saw a funny meme once that was like. New Yorkers like at 9 p.m. and it was like a fancy meal, and then New Yorkers at like 3 a.m. and it was like, 
fried shrimp over rice and <laughs> sauce. But like, um, food is such an interesting one because food is like the most telling of like consumer behavior or whatever. And like the worst thing about the pandemic is just all of these local places are closing and like yeah. they're the ones like not being frequented as much as like a sweet green or something. Mm-hmm. So like that really blows. Yeah. It's 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 interesting you ask about how the city's changing because the city has changed in my lifetime, but it is changing so quickly now because of coronavirus that we have no idea what it's gonna look like in two years. My my uh, friends had a restaurant that closed and it was like the most it was really crushing to see. Yeah. Like Horrible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How's it molded you into a person? How's what? You're New York City. Oh, I wasn't sure if you meant coronavirus. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's funny. Yeah. Uh, how's New York City molded me as a person? Um, it's like you see some crazy shit growing up. Dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you just. I started off very coddled, and now it's a little more like I don't know. You spend your entire life in a crowded subway and you're just kind of like become an asshole. <laughs> New Yorkers are kind of like, New Yorkers are just like more impatient, a little more grumpy, a little more realist, a little more cynical. So I guess the, all those things. Yeah. Definitely came out of it like not so glossy eyed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it teaches you if you can survive here, I mean, you can survive anywhere, I feel like, or like almost anywhere. I feel like girls with like, like or anyway, people who have that as their Instagram caption, girls or guys, just like mm-hmm. moved here from Minnesota and, uh, <laughs> during the pandemic. Yeah. Like David absolutely re- reviles those people, don't you? Because yeah. like, what does making it mean? Does it mean being financially successful? Like it means you know affording I mean? your rent every month. <laughs> like I like I. I that's so sad. <laughs> I mean, for us to be happy, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's, what, that's what that sentiment to me feels like. Because you know what? That it's funny you bring that up, and I don't mean to drill on this. I just think yeah, about yeah, that phrase yeah. a lot because everyone I know who kind of said things like that, like left, <laughs> like they moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like I feel like that is what it's about. It's just literally like if I am financially successful or renowned enough, I can move to a different city and mm-hmm. like be done with New York, where it's like, me personally, like, I'm not going to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I would maybe spend time in Japan because I have citizenship there, and I'd be like it there a lot, but like, this is my home. My whole family lives here. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I don't want to be apart from them, and like, I don't really necessarily, like, the sentiment about you, it's a resource you need to drain, I don't. I take issue with mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, what do you want to leave with? What do I want to leave New York City with? Oh, no, no, with the podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll plug it. Yeah, you do. Do all the plugs you want, yeah. Okay, um, do I look at the camera? Yeah, let me do the camera. Hey, hey, you. Ken Takanami here. I have a new single called Don't Distract Me. It should be out by now, by the time this is filmed. Uh, streaming across all platforms. Music video dropping too. Go check it out. See me on a tractor. Uh, yeah. Uh, a cab destroy capital. There you go. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Cheers. Wow. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I'm sorry about. There's always something, but like, that's nah, cool. I feel like. Wait. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, we've had. Have we had more stuff?